NAD Ministerial presents Adventist Ministry, a best practices podcast with Dave Gimmel. I want for us to turn there to the Old Testament. I'm going to read. Welcome to E Huddle. <laughs> and this morning we're having a baby dedication. You know, every now and then. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Spirit of Spirit. We're about to go eat. I want to thank you for the food. Is there a second to the motion? To present to you the happiest newlyweds in all the land. Muy buenos días, amigos, hermanos y familias. God, give us strength and power to live like you told us to live. Welcome to the Best Practices Adventist Ministry Podcast. I'm Dave Gemmel. Our world was just clobbered by the worst pandemic in over a century, slaying hundreds of millions, triggering economic hardship, exacerbating social unrest, and revealing worldwide inequities, yet also providing an opportunity for monumental discoveries. We'll take a generation to fully understand. And as the fog of COVID-19 slowly lifts, I'd like to share three discoveries that were featured at the eHuddle Evangelism Conference held virtually in the peak of the pandemic. In Act One, Kevin Wilson, pastor and TikTok star, tells how and why he put so much energy into this creative platform. So check this out, this is crazy. The typical social media user now spends close to two hours and 25 minutes on average per day. This equates to roughly one waking day of their life every single week. And according to latest predictions, the world's social media users, if you take all of them together, will spend a total of 3.7 trillion hours on social media in 2021. This is equal to more than 420 million years of human existence. <laughs> it's crazy. Now for most people, this time is spent consuming content on social media rather than creating content for social media. But if you are a digital disciple, you should be prioritizing creating more than consuming. In Act 2, Pastor Alarise Colley tells the story of how her church's agility and neighborliness paid off in the pandemic. It all began Sunday, January 17. Uh, that evening, I received a call from Rebecca Betts. Rebecca works at Providence Population Health. Uh, she said that they were looking for a place that was large enough to host a vaccine clinic, a mass vaccine clinic, uh, some place that could handle the logistics, especially during COVID, um, and a place where they could find access to volunteers. That meant that we had less than 24 hours to put together the mass vaccine clinic. And finally, in Act 3, Pastor Manny Arteaga shares the powerful theology of tacos. We, we figured out that we could sneak out on Tuesday evenings, gather around a actual Tacoma truck that one of our friends has, and go to a local taco place here in LA and just have some tacos and 
talk, talk around some tacos in the back of a Tacoma. It was, you know, just so life-giving and just so refreshing to be able to be around humans, socially distancing, wearing our masks, but just having a good time, having good conversations. Now, these taco nights, these conversations, inevitably, because you got a bunch of theologians and pastors, inevitably became theological. Our website, nadministerial.com, has links and resources if you want to go deeper. Just click on the Best Practices Podcast tab. Now, let's get started. Act one, Kevin Wilson. Kevin is the associate pastor of youth and young adults at Oceanside Seventh-day Adventist Church and also liked by four million as the cross-culture Christian on TikTok. Listen as he shares three important shifts that every Christian needs to make if they want to be an effective digital disciple. Shift number one, choose creation over consumption. So check this out, this is crazy. The typical social media user now spends close to two hours and 25 minutes on average per day. This equates to roughly one waking day of their life every single week. And according to latest predictions, the world's social media users, if you take all of them together, will spend a total of 3.7 trillion hours on social media in 2021. This is equal to more than 420 million years of human existence. <laughs> it's crazy. Now for most people, this time is spent consuming content on social media rather than creating content for social media. But if you are a digital disciple, you should be prioritizing creating more than consuming. Now, reposting what someone else shared or liking a post or even commenting on one does not count as creating content. You're still consuming. Creating content means that you are thinking intentionally about not just what you're saying, but how you are saying it. Creating means that you are paying attention to analytics, things like engagement and watch time and views for the sole purpose of improving your content so that it will reach a wider audience. And when you make the shift from just consuming to creating, you will soon realize that excellence in your craft is evangelism. And when you keep showing up consistently, improving your quality just a little by little, one small thing at a time with every video, with every post, you become so good over time that even if other people may not agree with your theology, they will stick around because of your intentionality. Your excellence is a witness in a digital age. So what type of stuff should you create? Now that depends on who you are, your story, your unique giftedness, your abilities. But I think there is one thing that especially Christian content creators should keep in mind no matter what content they create. Great advice from this TikTok star. He makes it look so easy, but that's only because of the time and hard work that goes into crafting every post. Next, Kevin shares the second shift that every digital disciple needs to make. Choose compassion over condemnation. Here's a TikTok I made about this. So Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. The way refers to the practice of Jesus. Things like 
compassion and empathy and justice. The truth refers to the teachings of Jesus, the content of his teachings, things like the Sabbath, the second coming, uh, tithing. Following the way of Jesus without doing it in the truth of Jesus can lead to an unstable life. But following the truth of Jesus without doing it in the way of Jesus leads to a defensive, toxic life. My fellow Christians, let's not sacrifice empathy at the altar of truth. Every follower of Jesus has a ministry. The Apostle Paul calls this the ministry of reconciliation. What this means is that the moment you say yes to Jesus and the moment that you have chosen to follow him, you are now an ambassador of Christ. You are now an agent of God's love to a world that desperately needs it. And what this means practically is that you are committing to be someone who is going to create, who is going to love, who is going to act for the ultimate purpose of reducing the gap between others and Jesus. And the best way to do this is through your compassionate, spirit-driven life. But a quick scroll on your Facebook feed will show that, that, that the type of compassionate content that some of the Christians are showing and posting in the name of love can be very condemning, can be very rude, that will end up alienating the people that we are called to engage. The more you do this, the more you'll start rejecting the people who really needs to hear your message. And eventually, you'll end up with an echo chamber of people who think like you, act like you, walk like you, vote like you, who like everything that you say. And that's not a good place to be. My friend, condemnation will get you new views, but will not get you new friends. One of my favorite writers of all time, she has this amazing quote. The strongest argument for the gospel is a loving and a lovable Christian. Choosing compassion over condemnation means that you're choosing to let go of an us versus them mindset to an us for them mentality. It means that you're creating from your empathy rather than creating from your ego. Yeah, Kevin, thanks for reminding us that condemnation may get us new views, but not new friends. We could all use a lot more empathy in this time of extreme polarization. Finally, in his eHuddle presentation, Kevin gives the third shift that every digital disciple needs to make. And this leads me to the last shift, to choose connection over conversion. Okay, so fun fact. When I started my TikTok account, I did not start it with the intention of using it as an evangelistic tool. I did not go with this mindset of like using this for ministry. I simply made videos on TikTok because A, I learn best by creating stuff and B, I just wanted to provide value to people. I, people wanted chai recipes and so that's exactly what I did and I shared some stories uh, with that. I realized that the more stories I shared, the more connection points that I shared with the viewers. People would listen to my stories and some of them will say, man, I thought I was the only one. Wait, you too? Wow, that's crazy. This That happened to me too. When you share true and honest stories, it creates this beautiful shared experience between people, like this bi-directional walkway in which other people can come to you and you can go to them in a virtual space. And the more that this happened, there was more opportunities for trust. And trust eventually built a tribe. Christian content creators need to stop using social media as a tool for conversion and start using social media as a medium for connection. Why? Because like conversion is not your work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of God. 
the fastest way to burn out as a digital disciple, the fastest way to burn out as a Christian content creator is to obsess over the things that you cannot control instead of focusing on the things that you can. Your responsibility is to bring your true self. And it's God's responsibility to bring his transforming self. Your responsibility is to relate to them. But it's God's responsibility to reform them. Your responsibility is to give value with no strings attached. And it's God's responsibility to give life with all the things attached. Thanks, Kevin, for freely sharing the secrets of your social media craft. And thanks for inspiring us to share the gospel to new generations in creative ways. Go to our show notes to find links to Kevin on TikTok, YouTube, and his website. Act 2. Alarise Kali. Alarise is the executive pastor at Walla Walla University Church. For years, this church has done its best to be what Pastor Troy Fitzgerald calls a good neighbor in the community. Apparently, Walla Walla's reputation has become well-known for at the peak of the pandemic, this large institutional church got a huge good neighbor test. Let's listen as Pastor Allery shares the story of a surprise phone call that she received. It all began Sunday, January 17. Uh, that evening, I received a call from Rebecca Betts. Rebecca works at Providence Population Health. Uh, she said that they were looking for a place that was large enough to host a vaccine clinic, a mass vaccine clinic, uh, some place that could handle the logistics, especially during COVID, um, and a place where they could find access to volunteers. That meant that we had less than 24 hours to put together the mass vaccine clinic. Uh, I contacted again our communications and worship pastor, Pastor Jose Segovia, and he began to prepare information to send out to the church, um, which we also knew would have been uh, distributed to other people in the community. Um, as I thought of some of the logistics, I had to keep in mind that this is COVID. We're in a pandemic. So we have to figure out a way to host a large number of people with limited interaction. That morning, I called Chris Drake. He is the broadcast director at the University Church and the media manager for Walla Walla University. And I said, Chris, we have to figure out a way to uh, interact with people and to give them announcements and to let them know when it's their time in line. And within a short period of time, Chris set up a radio station. The plan was that people would stay in their cars and we would give them an index card that had a number on it. Now, now that number uh, represented their place in line. And it also was the total number of vaccines that were available for distribution. The second was a little slip of paper that had a radio frequency on it. And as they waited in their cars, they were to tune into this radio and we would connect with them, give them updates, and also call the numbers that were being served. And people would exit their cars 
come to the church. Uh, it would be a fairly short line. They would stay six feet apart. Then someone would bring a registration form to them, a very quick registration form. They would fill those out. Uh, before they entered into the building, there was also a registration table that just took their information, took the pages that they filled out. Then uh, they would be ushered into the building where they would get their vaccine shot in one area. Once they were completed with their vaccine shots, uh, they had to be observed for 15 to 30 minutes. We had another section of the church set up with chairs that had uh, six feet of distance between them. And we had people, probably up to 50 people or more, who would be waiting in that area, along with medical professionals observing them. Once they got the Claire, then they were able to exit the building and uh, go about their day. That morning, I called the uh, chief of police, Troy Tomaris, and he already has a relationship with us here at the church. And I said, Chief Troy, uh, this is the event that we're having. And he said, how can I help? And he was able to send over some officers to help us with traffic control. The university's security department was also a partner. And they helped us as well with traffic, setting up uh, barricades, and just being present as we went through the event. And listening to the story, I find it amazing how this huge institutional church was able to marshal all the resources together in just 24 hours. Now it came time for the clinic. Would Walla Walla truly come through as a good neighbor? And would this institutional church pass the agility test? Let's find out as Pastor Alarise continues the story. As a result of the event being planned in less than 24 hours, it required us to adjust very quickly as we went along. Uh, one of the things we discovered was that some people were not in cars, therefore they did not have access to a radio. I called the uh, campus sound director, uh, Carl Thompson, and I said, Carl, people are, some people are walking uh, and some people's radio is not working. Within uh, probably less than 30 minutes, Carl Thompson was there and he had speakers set up outside that were connected to the radio station. As it began to get dark, Pastor Troy Fitzgerald, our outreach and discipleship pastor, jumped into action. He set up lights outside. He called uh, the campus and said, we need some outside heaters. Um, and they came and helped him set up some heaters for outside. We did not have a lack of volunteers. When people found out that we were having the clinic at the church, uh, we had elders, deacons, pastors, um, other people, other church members who said, I would love to serve in this way. We discovered as we were interacting with the community that some of them had never been to an Adventist church um, and some of them had never set foot in the university church. So it was such um, an exciting opportunity to be able to uh, interact with the community and introduce them to the Walla Walla University Church. The event was initially planned for 2 to 6 p.m., but Providence wanted to ensure that everyone who was given a number 
was served. That meant they went from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. and in total gave 907 vaccine shots. Wow, 907 shots in one day. Congratulations to Walla Walla for agility. So what about the goal of being a good neighbor? Alarice finishes her story. We got feedback from Providence St. Mary Medical Center that they received calls uh, in the the days after the clinic, calls from uh, people who had gotten the vaccine shot, calls from the adult children of people who had gotten the vaccine shots, just telling them, thank you so very much uh, for doing this. We at the University Church also received calls and emails and letters from people just saying, thank you so much for serving the community in this way. As a church, uh, we felt blessed to be able to partner with our community in this way. Um, We believe that it was a God-given opportunity to serve the community in this way. And we told Providence, if you need us again, we are here and ready to help. Thanks, Alarise, for sharing the pandemic discovery that the values of agility and neighborliness are essential for effective congregations. Go to our show notes for links to Alarise's full presentation at eHuddle as well as info on Walla Walla University Church. Act three, Manny Arteaga. Manny is the founding pastor of Kaleo Seventh-day Adventist Church, a vibrant congregation in Southern California. Listen as he shares his amazing pandemic discovery inspired by tacos. This 2020 was a really, really difficult year for me and for many of my colleagues. I'm out here in the LA area, and we had a really, really difficult time as pastors, as you can imagine, in offices and rooms and garages like I'm in here now. It was a really, really hard time last year as we were trying to adapt to this new normal, this new reality uh, as pastors. Now, I have a group of friends that I'm so grateful to be able to do life with and ministry with, and we we found a rhythm that started working with us because we just missed one another. We missed working as a team. And we, we figured out that we could sneak out on Tuesday evenings, gather around a actual Tacoma truck that one of our friends has and go to a local taco place here in LA and just have some tacos and talk, talk around some tacos in the back of a Tacoma. It was you know, just so life-giving and just so refreshing to be able to be around humans, socially distancing, wearing our masks, but just having a good time, having good conversations. Now, these taco nights, these conversations inevitably, because you got a bunch of theologians and pastors, inevitably became theological. At one point, we realized that much of our conversation recited in the intersection of culture and theology. What does it mean to be authentically Christian and authentically culturally whatever you are? So in our case, it was Latinos. What does it mean to be authentically Christian and authentically Latino? We soon realized that most of us, most of us had not really heard the message in our own cultural language. Even though we've heard it in Spanish or English, culturally, we have been checking our culture at the door and experiencing Christianity, our Christian walk, our faith, our journey of following Jesus 
leaving our cultural nuances, the beauty of our culture aside, checking our culture at the door rather than experiencing Christ and this, this walk of apprenticing Jesus through the beauty of our culture. So it was a beautiful thing to realize as, as friends, as, as, as partners in ministry, as colleagues, and we started experiences and we said, yo, yo, we, we, we gotta, this is so beautiful. It's so rich. It's, it's enriching our own Christianity so much. We gotta bring other people around the table or around the Tacoma, right? So, so that's where Tacology was born. So we said, we got to get behind this thing. What is the spirit doing? How is the spirit speaking in a way that our local LA natives could understand? Hey, God is speaking to us in a way that is, that is so relevant and so in tune with our cultural language. So that's where tacology, the pop-ups, and this movement that has begun emerged. That's how it was birthed. It was, it was birthed out of a place of theological richness, cultural, cultural relevance, and spiritual power. It's amazing what you can learn from tacos in a pandemic. But that was just the start. Over the next few weeks, tacology turned into a powerful ministry. Manny continues the story. So over the course of the year, we started having some pop-ups. We started gathering in one of our colleagues' backyards, socially distancing. We catered tacos for everyone, and we really just brought people. We limited to a certain amount of people, obviously, given circumstances. We needed to, but we, we ended up gathering people and just really just talking about the intersection of amigos, tacos, and theology. What does it mean to be authentically Latino and authentically Christian? Authentically Latina and authentically Christian. So we, we got into a lot of amazing topics. Like, for example, why? What does it mean that Jesus chose Galilee as his hub of ministry, right? Galilee was a community away from the center of power. Why would Jesus choose Galilee as a center of ministry? Or being able to launch a church, the greatest movement of all time, out of a place like Jerusalem, the center of power. Why would Jesus go to Galilee? Why would Jesus go to Galileans, right? He goes for these, these, these people that had a thick accent who were ethnically mixed, right? Jew and Gentile. Why would Jesus go to such a population? And we started exploring these, these topics and we realized, yo, the, the story is starting to sound so familiar with our cultural language. It's, it's starting to resonate with our cultural language. We also wrestled with the idea of theology in conjunto, theology as a community, not just relegating the doing of theology to the great erudites or the academicians. No, no, no. Could it be that theologia, theology, is something that we need to do together? So we started exploring the importance of centralizing different voices that are often ignored. What does our campesino, what does our day laborer have to say about God? And how can we learn about faith from our abuelitas and abuelitos? from our padres, from our madres. What can we learn about faith, about those people that are not seen in the textbook and are not read, you know, in the great, you know, uh, uh, academic works, but their, their, their faith can teach us so much about God. So we wrestled with these things together. It was a move of the Spirit where people started listening to the message in their own cultural language. Uh, I'm salivating now just hearing about tacos. 
But while some of us might love tacos, Manny warns us that tacology is very specific to Southern California Hispanic culture. Listen now as he shares the greater truth about this pandemic discovery that everyone from every culture can use. I don't know where you're watching from right now. I don't know if you're from Kansas or if you're from, from Utah. I don't know if you're from New York. I don't know if you're in Florida, but let me, let me, let me say this. Tacology, as amazing as it has been, is probably a horrible idea for you. As a matter of fact, I want to encourage you, don't replicate Tacology. Why? Because Tacology was born out of a context, out of what the Spirit is doing in Los Angeles in the 21st century, in our culture, with our people. And, and the beautiful thing is that the Spirit can reveal to you, it can reveal to you how the Spirit is moving in your context, whether that is Montana, Utah, Texas, Florida, Chicago. There is something that the Spirit is up to in your context. This is not something we copy and paste. Let's see what the Spirit is doing in each and every one of our contexts. Look in your context. Then look within your theology and see what it has to say to your context. And based on that, come up with something practical. Because ultimately, people ought to be amazed that they hear the message in their language. The Spirit is speaking. The Spirit is on the move. Are we getting stuck on programming, on copying and pasting? Or are we listening to what the Spirit is doing in your community, in your context? Thanks, Manny, for your pandemic discovery. To learn more about Pastor Arteaga's ministry and to see his entire presentation at eHuddle, go to our show notes on nadministerial.com. I hope this episode has been as insightful and inspiring for you as it was for me. These stories all remind us that the toughest times can lead to significant discoveries. Thanks for joining us at NAD Ministerial's Best Practices Adventist Ministry Podcast. We're available on all your favorite platforms, so please like, share, and subscribe so you'll be notified when new episodes are posted. We're here to help you grow. Keep going, but most of all, Keep growing for God's glory. Adventist Ministry. Adventist Ministry Podcast is a production of NAD Ministerial. Executive producer, Ivan Williams. Designed by Halloran Hilton Hill for NAD from Anything is Possible. Written and produced by Dave Gimmel. Edited by Taizi Snyder. NAD Ministerial.